What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. I'm very happy to have today's guest, Mr. Brian Red Van Reichel. He is the uh, podcast master, got the, the black belt in podcasting. He's the producer and co-host of the Joe Rogan Experience, and he's like the head of the Voltron machine that makes up the Death Squad, which is sort of an umbrella name for a number of different podcasts that he helps produce um, and was a big influence for me running the, the Live Free podcast. So it was a, a pleasure to have him on the show. We had I know I knew from his podcast that he was interested in painting and had done some art previously in his life, but never really expressed much of it on his own podcast. So it was cool to give him a forum to talk about some painting and some of the other sort of art forms that he partakes in. Um, we talked about Skywalker OG, of course, painting, comedy, Ohio, racist grandmas, boobies, birth of the internets, early bully trolls, turn of the century, family histories, honesty, podcasting, Joe Rogan, procrastination, Mencia beef, self-evaluation, and the death squad. So as always, make sure you check out the website, MikeMaxWater.com. Click on the blog and you can get all the information on all the people who have been guests on the show and get all the information for the Death Squad and all of Brian's podcasts as well. Um, you can also donate to the podcast over there. If you click on the PayPal link, you can donate to the show. you also find the link to Twitter and Facebook's over there. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Maxwell Art, and the podcast Twitter is at Live Free Podcast. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, with all that said, without further ado, Mr. Brian Redband Rifle. Let's get Brian a call. <coughs> Yo, brother. What's up, dude? What's happening? Not much. Just getting a bong in real quick. Nice. I only got halfway through mine. Shit was too strong. Um, what kind are you smoking? Uh, I picked up some Skywalker OG yesterday. I have a couple different things. There were so many good deals at the dispensaries yesterday. That's exactly what I'm smoking. How awesome is that? The Skywalker? Yeah. Fantastic. And it's actually on a Yoda Yoda trim bottle, but they crossed out Yoda and type Ronin Skywalker. Nice. I got a, uh, a good hog's breath, too, which is a good sativa mm -hmm. that... Uh, dude's been growing here in San Diego since 1986 or something like that. Right. You know, like he has his shit down. That's cool. I need to find a, I have a grower friend and I always forget to go to him, but he only has one strand, so it's kind of boring. But it's, I, I got lucky and this guy brings it to the same dispensary all the time. Um, this isn't video, right? It's just audio. Is that, I don't have a webcam on this computer. No, it's, uh, it's just audio. Right, it's cool. easier if we both had video, but um, it's not necessary. Let me see if I... Oh, wait. I just got a new webcam I can hook up on. I got a bunch of free edibles yesterday, too. It's nice. I'm about to power this lemon bar here. There it is. Better. Nice. Now we won't be talking over each other like, uh, like some <laughs> podcasters. Right. In the past. <laughs> like Brian Wilkerson or whatever, the Whitaker. No, I wasn't... We uh, we uh, try to keep a, a nice, positive... Uh, <laughs> 
not have to shit talk too much on this podcast. Yeah. But we all know, we all know the real. I heard he was trying to give you some bullshit, huh? Yeah, because I called him out. He, he pretty much is too big of a pussy to call Joe for calling him out. So he's just going after me. Is what uh, his friend Daryl has been telling me. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm ready. All right, cool. Awesome. All right, well, thanks for doing the show, dude. I appreciate it. Totally. I know you got about 155,000 fucking things on your plate. Yeah, it's, uh, it's I've kind of over i jumped in with uh thinking that it would be a good idea to do all this at once and it was probably a bad idea trying to handle this much at once but i'm now slowly cutting out the fat and i've been kind of calming down with the podcast as much and stuff like that so it's been a little bit better lately is that how you've done things in the past like you know with projects that you've got into like just full-fledged like 110 percent yeah absolutely that's it's so weird because um you know, like with art and stuff like that, this is a perfect example. Uh, like all the paintings, I used to be a huge artist and that's what I wanted to be growing up and all that. And, uh, but with all my paintings I do, I never have ever done one, uh, where I haven't completed the same sitting. Like I've, um, I can't just do a painting and then go back to it the next day. It, It doesn't work that way for me. And so that's kind of what it seems like I do with a lot of things is like, I'll, I'll just do it till it's as as fast as I can or as 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 deep into it as I can. It's it's pretty stupid actually. <laughs> it it seems to be like a repetitive thing for creative types, you know. It's like you find something you like and you want to dig to the bottom of it, you know. Right. Yeah. Like I it's it when what it, I get pissed if I do it any other way too. Like I actually started I haven't painted in a while and I started a new painting. It's over there somewhere, but I I uh, stopped it because the person I was painting with, which is not something I don't ever want to do again, is dual painting. She finished what she was doing, and I wasn't finished, and then she was hungry. And I'm like, well, I, uh, all right. So now <laughs> I can't even go back to that painting. I, I lost all interest in it. Well, what is it? It's that thing you have to just get it all out all at once, you know? You yeah, know. yeah. It's it's weird. I, that's just how I have to do it, I guess. I, I guess it's, it's one of those things kind of like a lot – uh, of things that I do. If I have an idea in my head, I got to get it from point A to point B as fast as possible uh, before I forget what point A was. And well, I don't know if it's an age thing really because I've done it my whole life. I think it's just a, an idea that you have in your head that changes, you know? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like you, you get a better reward then from stand-up comedy? Like being able to, to get like a, uh, you know, like a 15, 25-minute piece out there and you know all at once and lay it out there on the line uh in some ways but in some ways it's 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 kind of worse because as an example the other day i was uh hanging out and i thought of this hilarious idea and i wrote it down uh, you know like in like in my notes uh, as a for a joke and then the following day i went to actually go back to it and i kind of lost the idea i was thinking so i kind of had to try to think of what I was thinking and write a joke out of it. Then I tried it on stage and I was like, you know what? This is not the way I was originally thinking about it. So it's kind of frustrating because with bits, uh, most bits start off as really funny ideas and then you try to make them into a longer idea or kind of change the idea to make it funnier. And then it kind of loses its original point, I guess, or the original idea isn't always the same. 
sometimes it's better sometimes but most of the times for me at least it's not have you ever um done improv stuff before yeah uh I, i like doing improv a lot um unfortunately when you live in los angeles so do a lot of people who are so much better than you so <laughs> most of my improv died when i left ohio because i was funnier than the people that i was around and better at improv than the people i was around and now i just i'm a fool if i try to start doing improv out here i uh, you you grew up in ohio right yeah columbus ohio i moved out here when i was uh 30 i think yeah like 29 or 30 or something yeah, I was just doing a bunch. I got a. I talked to my grandma the other day for about an hour and got a bunch of like the ancestry dot com type of stuff, you know, like from watching those ancestor shows or whatever. Right. And I ended up, <clears throat> I ended up getting like records all the way back to you know eighteen hundred, like the beginning of the eighteen hundreds, and all my family is out of like Seneca, Attica, Ohio. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, straight from Ireland to right there. And it seems like a, a lot of Irish immigrants ended up in that in that particular area. Yeah, I, I'm half Irish. There's a lot, I, I know that there's a lot of Irish in where I, I grew up in. Uh, I actually grew up in Dublin, Ohio, which is uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's about as Irish as you can get. And in, it's actually so Irish that if you don't wear green on St. Paddy's Day, they arrest you. But it's like a fake arrest where they just put you inside of a parade. Like those carnival jails? They lock yeah. you up? It's like you still get arrested, though. But it's like, ha-ha, you're arrested. But now you go in this big jail cell in the middle of downtown in the middle of this parade. And it's a big, fun time. But I'm thinking, like, what if you're just passing through and you forgot you didn't know about, you know, wearing green is illegal or whatever. And then you just get <laughs> stuck in a parade instead of missing your flight or instead of getting on an airplane or something in a, a Right. You know, it's probably for all those years of the Irish prejudice, like just trying to hit people back. Right. Trying to hit as many British as possible. That's right. a, I, uh, when I was talking to my grandma, too, she was like, you know, she really wanted me to understand that the Irish suffered a great deal of racism, like in an equal amount to black people, like mm-hmm. as if there was some sort of like racism competition among the two. <laughs> and I could hear it coming. Like she said, she was like, well, you know. And I was like, oh, shit, my grandma's going to say something racist right now. Fuck. Got all fucking uncomfortable. <laughs> Grandmothers always say the racistest things. My grandmother was <laughs> so in the past, but she was always the user of the word colored people. And it was just always like, I, I tried to tell her so many times, like, grandma, that's not cool. You know, colored people, come on. And she goes, well, that colored person didn't give me the right change at the grocery store. And I'm like, grandma, Yeah, what a a strange shift in just a short period of time. Really is, really is. Yeah, racism doesn't exist, though. (laughs) You know, yeah, right. I like to, uh, I sort of, it seems like artists' geographical location tend to play a significant role sometimes in in the stuff they make. Mm -hmm. Was like, you know, we hear a lot about like people who live in cold weather or shitty weather places or indoors and have to figure out something to do with their time. It's either like get fucked up or like do something creative. Right. Was that? Well, uh, I guess in Ohio, it's uh, boobs is a really big uh, creative thing because that's yeah titties. Like, yeah, I, I, I think that must be a, a thing that a lot of artists have to do, or I'm just projecting because like I think every single painting I have has boobs in it. And I don't do it on purpose. It's just, I don't know if it's how easy they are to paint or, or what, but. Uh, well, maybe it's just that search for beauty, right? 
Yeah. It's like the best thing that exists, just about. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's... Um, I grew up like all my friends were artists, and that's that's that was pretty sweet. And they all went to um, college after high school, and I pretty much at that point was like, you know what, I don't see myself spending that much money for art school. And then a couple years later, you know, they all graduated and couldn't find a job. And what's crazy is my one friend, uh, who was like the best artist growing up, he uh, he he was you know broke as hell working at a sign shop, just making banners and signs and stuff. And I was like, you know, there's this new thing called the internets. Uh, I, I, I'm going to start going to like some technical school to learn how to do like HTML and all the basic stuff. Because I pretty much was like, hey, I don't want to do, I don't think there's money in art as much as there is if I can combine art with internet somehow. This is like back in the Dizay, like AOL one. And, uh, <laughs> but so I, I, I went to school for like, you know, a little bit and I taught my friend who went to art school how to do HTML and how to do Flash and then he got a job like two weeks later at this company. He had been, I think he still works there actually. He's been working since, and that's probably been maybe 10 or 15 years. He's been, <laughs> and it's not using his art degree as much as it's actually working. He's just doing web, web pages now. Sure. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a lot of artists have to survive doing all kinds of different sort of commercial design things. But <laughs> you know what happened too is there was a sort of bottlenecking at like the end of the 90s. Everyone thought that there was going to be 155,000 graphic design jobs, right. and that shit got a little tight after a while. Yeah, yeah, it, it seemed like I mean, in high school, I mean, I graduated in 93, but it, in high school, it seemed like that was the thing to do, is get into art. You know, it's just, art seemed to be kind of blowing up around that time, and then immediately after high school, and I just kind of got a reality check where it just, you know, especially going to the college uh, that was in Columbus, that is, uh, Columbus College of Art and Design. Uh, just just going on campus and seeing it, it just was millions of people at that campus, and it was not that big of a campus, but it seemed like it was just flooded with yeah. with people think, doing thinking the same idea. And you know, and that's it's some it's funny how we we get those pictures sometimes of like what what the future looks like just in those moments. Like I sort of I got. You know, I didn't go to art school either because I was I like I dropped out of high school my senior year. Like I was pretty rebellious and like was like fuck everybody. I'm gonna do my own thing type of deal, which right. is a mentality I still keep to this day. You know, but just a little more respectful. Mm -hmm. Did you get, did you take all high school classes uh, like art all the art classes available in high school? Or did you even take any classes of uh, no? Art? I it's funny. I just told this story the other day. Uh, as I, I lectured at SDSU, the San Diego State University, uh, this earlier this week, I, I told all the kids to eat mushrooms and drop out, basically, and save their money. <laughs> but but I, uh, I told them, I was like, I took one art class in high school, and I got kicked out of it uh, because, you know, we were supposed to draw, like, the shoe on the middle of the table. It was like a high heel shoe or something stupid. And I didn't like how my drawing was turning out, so like I turned it into like this shoe robot thing. And the the teacher was like, "No, you have to do like a life drawing fucking deal here." And I was, and I was like, "Well, that fuck that, I, you know, I can do whatever I want. You know, this is art. You're not going to tell me what I can do." And literally, you know, I was sixteen or seventeen, and right at that moment, I was like, "Art is whatever I want it to be. There's no one that's going to dictate what it is that I want to make." There's right. no rules ever. That's what's that's what's so special about this. Like no one can dictate what I make besides me. And if I'm okay with whether people like it or don't like it, then that that's on me. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah. I was, I mean, I was kind of lucky in high school because our teacher, who was kind of crazy, somehow for some reason liked me. It was probably in a weird sexual way or something. But <laughs> she, 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 she let me get away with a lot of shit. Like all my paintings uh, were pretty fucked up. And I guess, like you know, the, there was one thing where we were like, like we we're giving assignments. Like you have to paint a sport. You have to paint some kind of sport or something like that. And I did pool. And I did a, it was called pool table on acid. And I was a, you know, junior in high school and I, you can probably see it on the webcam, but I barely see it, but it's just a pool table with like melting balls. And there's like some kind of green monster coming out or uh -huh. stuff like that. Nice. And like most teachers, I would imagine, you know, if you're that young doing crazy things like that, would probably talk to you or anything, but she loved it. She loved that shit. And she was always telling me like, Oh, you gotta do more and more. And I remember there was one assignment where it was, uh, it was to to draw a person, and it's in my bedroom still. And it's just a painting of like green and blue blended together, and I, the name of it was called "Poor Black Man on a Foggy Day," and there was no person in it. And she gave me a B. It was like very interesting. <laughs> sometimes, man. Sometimes titles make a painting. It, it's, exactly. it's strange how it happens, but sometimes at the end of it, it's like this is just perfect. It gets poetic sometimes. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you, like, I don't know, one of my favorite things uh, as growing up art-wise was my, I was a kind of a dork and I was kind of always being the, the, the victim of bullies and so were the friends I grew up or hung out with all, and we weren't like nerds, I guess nerds really didn't exist back then as much as they do now with computers and stuff, uh, but one of the reasons why, because we did art and we, and we didn't play sports, we did, we were the artist kids. And so we kind of you know, got our revenge by drawing comics of all these bullies and stuff, un unnamed, uh, like we, we would not put our name on them. And then uh, in the library, make copies of them and then put them out throughout the school, like in the bathrooms and stuff. And it was always involving like the bullies having penises, like really small penises, having gay sex with the gym teacher and stuff like that. And that's it, amazing. It, it was beautiful. It was the best revenge ever and it worked and everyone passed it around and became like a, a comic book it became popular all the girls in the school were giggling and sharing it it was so awesome that's one like of my favorite things. that's like a medieval troll attack <laughs> right to just yeah. just destroy somebody but yeah i get that mentality i like like i was kind of aggressive when i was young like i had a lot of anger issues so why I mean, uh, probably for the same reason other people sort of turn get turned inward and get kind of nerdy, you know, right. just like uh, control issues or like broken home issues, like things not going the way that they're supposed to. So, you know, it, it, I, I've, I've noticed that there's certain people who get like anxieties and will turn inward and have like inward emotions, you know, like tie up inside in their mind. Well, I, I was always the type that just like exploded. You know, just let it out. It, I had no, uh, I had no sensor to lock it in. You know, right. but I think art for me was a release for that. Art has always been something. It's been like that therapy to where I don't have to act like a fucking crazy person. You know, yeah. To where yeah, I can, cool. I can get those aggressions out or like, you know. Right. I talked yeah, about. That's awesome. I was looking at some of your artwork uh, today. I went to your website and uh, just love. You know, that's one thing. It just. I love art. Like I love almost all kinds of art. 
Like there was the whole this hotel I recently stayed at that had I forget the guy's name. I mean, he's not my favorite artist at all, but it's like you know, it's the kind of art like maybe it looks like old art from like the early 1900s that people did on farms, you know, with a lot of like, like ladies washing their clothes. And so, anyways, it, it was just so old looking that it was creepy, you know? So I ate some mushrooms and walked around this old hotel and just looked at these paintings. And some of them just blew my mind at the creep level. And one thing that I noticed with your, with your art is that you kind of you you have some of that going on in some of your work, which is that that very very interesting kind of creep level to it. Like yeah, the, sure. It's um, it's that it's that turn of the century look, you know. Yeah. I uh, I collect a ton of uh, of turn of the century photographs, mm -hmm. like everything, and you know, like I'll be looking through them. Like, let's say I'll look at like a full page of photographs in like in like Bridge or something. There'll be one out of twenty that almost looks like it's like glimmering, like it's like saying, Paint me, paint me. Right. And there's some expression to those people that is something there's something in what their face is telling me that I relate to. And mm -hmm. then I think maybe the, the viewer will will equally relate to it relate to it on their own level. But for me, like those looks, one, it comes from the type of photography that was used to take that I use for the reference materials, you know, like those fuckers had to stand there for like a minute to have right. a still photo. Well, we they weren't as lucky as us these days. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's really interesting going through those old photos too, and you see the the one person that has a little blur to them, like or I've seen a few where like the kid's face is a huge blur, and everyone else is, <laughs> you know, like the kids probably going <laughs> freaking out. Yeah, yeah, I I I love that shit, and I also love going to. Um, uh, like flea markets and antique stores and going through the box of uh, abandoned photos that, you know, they're like old wedding photos and, and crazy shit. And it, it's so weird to me to think that, hey, here in this antique store in Los Angeles, there's like people's wedding photos and, and, and photos of their kids. And it's like, who loses this shit? How does this shit get here? And why is there so much of it? And some of them, they go back you know they're black and white and fucking like old World War One photos and stuff. It's it's pretty awesome shit. I mean, I I, I am a uh, one. I I do a lot of stuff that people uh, really <laughs> make fun of me about. But one of my favorite things is going to antique stores just for that very reason. Is going through those photos. Yeah, man. It's been a almost like an obsession for me. You know, it's a, and it's crazy. It's all it's like that history thing. It's a, it it looks. Like when you find stuff like that, it's like somebody's history ended right there. That was the end for somebody. Yeah. And right? what's great as an artist is you could t like I've taken old photos and made a piece that was like maybe on like like a metal box that you know had like a lock on the side where I pasted mm -hmm. the photos on the inside of this art piece so that like there's a painting on the outside, but if you open it up, it has these old photos in there. Wow. And that's sort of reference. So a lot of times you can make. You can make old dead stuff come back to life. Yeah, that's that's actually a really cool idea. That, that's really neat, man. That's, that, that's the beauty of shit like that. It's like you, you know, it's just something like that. You you know, I would never have thought of that. You know, but then the, you think of it immediately. You're like, holy shit, that's perfect. That would be perfect. And it's all that stuff. And it really, you know, it becomes it comes out of a thing out of necessity, right? Because mm -hmm. you know, as artists, we're poor most of the fucking time. 
And, you know, I was doing that same thing, like going to like AmVets or thrift stores and buying shit for a dollar to paint on because it was cheap. It was cheap materials. Yeah. You know, and then adding it up and then creating this whole mythos around something brand new, you know. Yeah, yeah. One of my things I always wanted to do was buying was buying like an old painting, you know, like some from a thrift store and adding to it. Uh, that's another thing I know a lot of people do. Uh, mm-hmm. But like just seeing seeing like uh, I saw one the other day. It was so great. My friend did. It was like an old farm, and it was just you know like kind of like a cheesy like side of the road uh, paint sale guy folk. But it was a big painting, and he bought it for like five dollars or something like mm-hmm. that. And he just made a huge like Pac Man ghost. Like, so it looked like a, like, you know, like a small little uh, farm and suddenly this huge Pac-Man ghost being chased by uh, Pac-Man. And it was just like mixing the old with the new and it just looked brilliant. I mean, it was just, it was like, that's the best $5 painting ever. You know? There's this artist, I, I can't, I don't remember what their name is. And I'm not sure if they paint the full painting or not, but it, it looks like they do that same sort of thing where they'll get like an old, like ocean landscape painting, like an old, like Santa Barbara style painting. Yeah, and then they'll do like big block letters like coming out of the ocean or like coming out of the side of the mountain, like this really cool looking way. But it's just totally like that's not supposed to go there type of thing. That it, it becomes super interesting. Yeah. Do you do you, do you mix your mediums a lot, or do you uh, stick with like an oil or acrylic or spray paint? Like, well, well, I use I use spray paint, acrylic, and gouache. I've never, I've actually, the very first painting I ever did was with my grandfather, who was like another, like middle California, like landscape Bob Ross style painter. And mm-hmm. then we did two oil paintings, like side by side, like, here's how you do this brushstroke and then do this one. And we just, oh, cool. I just emulated it and I still actually have the pieces today, but, um, that's really cool. Yeah. And you know, like what we were talking about before, like, like carry on people's stories, we sort of have this brand new medium now, mostly brand new with podcasting, like capturing hundreds of hours of stories now. Yeah, you know, I think the, the, the coolest thing about podcasting is not even the, 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 the podcasting itself. It's just the idea that the technology and everything is getting so amazing that you know, back in the day, if you wanted to make it, like I would make with all my nerd friends, I would make short films. You know, I had one that was made about carrots coming from outer space and attacking us, you know, as an example. And we pretty much edited these down on like V2 VCRs. Like I'd bring my mom's VCR to his mom's VCR and we'd use it to edit. And mm-hmm. and pretty much we would make like these stupid films that only me and a couple people would see. And we were just like these were so addicting to us and then we'd make a couple other ones, but that never left or never got more than 10 views, I guess you would say. Uh, now, you know, if you have a video camera you on your phone and, and you can edit it on your phone and put it on YouTube and next thing you know, like millions of people see it. And with podcasting, same thing. It's like, you know, these old radio shows that you've listened to all the time, like Howard Stern or not even Howard Stern. You can go back in time to, you know, whatever, Orson Welles, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but, but now we, you have the technology to even, again, you could probably do it on your phone or just going to Radio Shack and buying a microphone and do the same thing. And now you have, you know, these podcasts that meet, that were, are being done in bedrooms that are being heard by hundreds of thousands. And I think that's the coolest thing because like with any art or any kind of creativity, getting it from, to people to see it, it's gotten, it's never been like this ever. It's never been this fast. 
and this openly available. And now, you know, anybody could pretty much show off their stuff to everybody if you know easily with a point of a click or a mouse. And I think that's awesome. And I think that's, that's why life right now seems so accelerated and exciting. It's just because for once in our life, we're now getting directly like what our interests are there's now a huge tunnel that goes to anything we want so you're you're pretty much i don't know it's just you're getting connected with like minds so quickly and fast and i love it and so yeah podcasting is just one of the ones that i've been taking advantage of lately which is weird because i've been kind of doing podcasts here and there for a while but it's never i mean it was huge what five years ago and then it just disappeared and then I think the iPhone maybe and all these smartphones uh, have been kind of bringing it back to, you know, back to life a little. But yeah, well, it's pretty crazy. I've been talking about it on my podcast too repetitively, but I don't give a shit. Is that <laughs> we've been coming out of the 9-11 hangover, dude. It's like a decade-long hangover where it's like finally, you know, especially with podcasting is there's honesty. And I think especially with, with the way the internet has now unfolded over the last 10 years as well is we now have a wide availability to find the closest thing to truth that we possibly can locate, you know, mm-hmm. or at least associate ourselves with people who have a, a similar like mind or have have views that we feel are, are along the lines of honest and truth because that's what we've been fed a lot of bullshit for the last 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's great, man. I'm just, I, 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 I it kind of gets to the point though where I, like I, I wish this happened maybe twenty years ago. I wish I grew up with this because I I know my sixteen year old self, my eighteen year old self, if I had the tools back then, I would be in a whole different world. I would uh because I had I mean me and my friends were would have died for this ability. And that's what's I hope these kids that are growing up now realize that and put the put the, the tools to work because man, they could fucking really get from point A to B pretty fast nowadays. If you have devotion and time and, and that's all what it is. And that's one thing I think that the, the podcast, why they've become so popular is the people that are doing it frequently and, and, and as, as much as possible are going to be the successful ones. Cause people want that people don't want fucking Cosby show anymore. You know, once a week they want fucking, you know, People, you know, these podcasts, and if they can get it multiple times a day, a week, they're going to be super fans. And that's, that's what the number one thing is nowadays is just getting, you know, making, making some kind of a relationship with all these people that are like-minded and, and, and keeping it. So that's, it's kind of hard though, because it just makes me, uh, I'm like the laziest motherfucker in the world for the most part, because I like to work on my own time. That's kind of what was cool with working with Joe Rogan is, is that he kind of hired me. I was like, you know, you film you you do whatever you want. You you pretty much come on the road with me, film some shit. If you want to make it a video, make it a video. If you don't, don't, don't make a video, whatever. But now it's getting to the point where now it's kind of like forced creativity in some points, but it's more of just like, all right, no, I have to make sure I do a podcast, you know, at least every other day, you know, I have to do it. And then within that, you know, time period, then I could go off and do whatever I want to creatively wise during the podcast. But some of that, it turns into that like procrastination monster, right? Like I, I sort of make it like this werewolf analogy that it's like, 
for some reason it feels like the work is really it's it's like there's a bat like you got to cross a, a a fucking a chain fence to get to the work like there's this this task to get through first mm-hmm. and once you're through that task it's great right like once you're into the podcast and you're you get into your flow it's like right. fuck yeah this is great but before that you're like oh well i'm gonna have to do all these things and get prepped and all the, the work yeah. that's behind it but that's that that procrastination monster that for some reason tries to hold us back from what we know gives us some reward or some sort of uh something that we appreciate yeah absolutely and i'm luckily for what i do too the procrastination monster has changed um and it's been easier because when my original job which was following around joe and making short movies about it started off pretty easy because I hung out at the comedy store where crazy stuff happened all the time. And then <laughs> Carlos Mencia video came out and Joe stopped going to the uh, comedy store. Then it pretty much took out like the most biggest thing of all the videos I was filming, which was the place it was at. That place was just attracted craziness every day and it made my job a lot easier. And then it went from doing that, just being on the road in these miscellaneous green rooms throughout the United States. And then my job became a lot harder because now it wasn't like crazy was coming to us. I pretty much just had to make crazy out of, hey, we're sitting in a green room. Hey, you know, we're driving around looking for something to eat, you know. Or So luckily the podcasting now has changed my position a little bit where now it's a lot. Um, it takes out me having to. I guess, try to get my, I don't know, cause trying to get an idea out through somebody, like all this material. Like I used to take all this video. I'm like, all right, I'm going to make a story out of this. And there's the story. Now it's more like, okay, I'm going to take all these people and we're just going to do it raw and the story is going to make itself. And it's so, it, it, it's, it's nicer now. I think it's way more organic and more real. And I think that's what nowadays people want is real. They don't want, edited they can smell laugh tracks type shit you know sure and that's what like everyone who all the people that listen to my show it's like they they always like to put the and play it while they're in their studio painting it feels like they're just hanging out with a couple of their buddies in the studio shooting the shit except for it just happened to be recorded before that and you know passed along yeah which is great for a lot of people and then you know as artists a lot of times, like, since I, I'm mostly interviewing painters and artist types, like, they get interviewed and it's, like, five paragraphs. Like, you don't really get to know somebody in five paragraphs. Uh, the Mencia thing, like, that's when, I guess, when I first found the Mencia video that came out was my first uh, sort of introduction to the stuff that you did. Oh, and yeah. then I think I, you guys were probably, like, 15 podcasts in by the time I sort of got on on board and started watching everything but I've I've seen every episode that you guys have done and have uh well, number 15 is a good number to start because I was uh getting ready for this 100th episode and I thought hey I will look at episode 1 I haven't I have not actually listened to any podcasts except maybe for like 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there that I've done. It seems like, you know, after I don't do it, I'm just so busy that I'm, or I just don't care to listen to it. So this was like the first time I actually sat down and listened to it. I was driving, listened to podcast number one. And man, that was so awful. It, it really is weird how, what, how it's grown. And I think it's gotten to a point now that I like it. Um, 
but uh, yeah, it's weird. And the Mencia thing, um, which was also weird, uh, because that was like kind of jumped me into having, you know, from being just this random guy that followed Joe around to actually like, oh shit, I made something that to a lot of people in the comedy world consider some kind of like, uh, you know, important part of comedy history in the last 10 years at least, you know, or so. But so it's kind of, it was kind of cool, you know, like it's, it's been an interesting journey working for Joe and um, this podcasting thing lately has been a really interesting chapter. I'm very thankful for my job, uh, especially that, that Joe seems to, to really understand. Uh, I mean, Joe was, Joe showed me some of his drawings and paintings uh, in one of the podcasts, you know, early podcasts. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it was, I would probably say it was one of the first five, ten, five through ten, maybe. Um, he he pulled out this art book and it just had, like, pictures of werewolves and, and all this crazy. And, man, he actually is better than me, uh, you know, which is crazy to think, like, hey, fucking Joe can draw better than me. But he, at least he used to be able to draw better than me because, I mean, I was looking through it. I was impressed. And it's just crazy that if Joe would have continued doing art, I, he would have been very successful because, I mean, these paintings were when he was young. Yeah. yeah. Pretty blown away by his style. That's a, it, it seems like, again, with creative types, it's like run as many opportunities to do things creatively. And then at the same time, we're also kind of obsessive, right? Like. Again, yeah. back to that, like having to sit down and do a whole painting. Yeah, uh, it's it's weird. I mean, the older I get, it's, you try to dissect yourself, you know, and try to figure out why you act certain ways and and stuff like that. And really, self evaluation is one of the most best thing about getting old because you never really think about that when you're younger. You know, you just kind of like float over and you just act a certain way, but you never really go, why do I act a certain way? Sure. And then podcasts can remind you of that shit. Like, I'm, yeah. again, I'm obsessive. So I actually, I listen to these shows three times, basically, because I, you, you know, I do the interview or whatever, but I do the podcast. So I, that that's one in my book. Then I go through and clean up the audio. At the beginning, I'll just clean up any spaces like this right now. Let's watch. Now I'm tricking you right now. I'm going to totally record this. Do you need to get the phone? You can't. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. I don't have my phone on. I'm sorry. That's funny. Right when you start talking about that, it's <laughs> off. You should keep that in. No, that's that's cool. You know, when I first started doing, um, trying my hand at podcasts, I I I had this whole idea that I was going to just take like three hours of podcast, mix it in with sound effects and, and music, and edit it and change it. And I actually have. The first three death squads with Joey Diaz, I did that with, and I kind of liked it like that. And uh, Duncan, Tr- my friend Duncan Trussell, who does the Lavender Hour podcast, which is an excellent podcast, he kind of still does that. Like he liked that style a little bit better. And I wish I had time because I think that that cleaning up it and just adding it is the way to go. But you know what? The problem with Joe's is, which is kind of weird, is now he's talking about we're get, putting the show on serious radio where they're going to broadcast on serious radio. And that's why I had to stop playing music on the show on Joe's show. And, and just kind of 
stop having fun. It was kind of editing the creativity, but I guess it's positive in some ways, you know, more people can listen to it, you know, but then that's the whole point of how I look at anything. Just, I don't want to be censored. I don't, you know, I want, I know it's like, yeah, you, if you use music, you should pay this musician and stuff like that. But I'm a firm believer of where like, if, if, if money, if there's no money involved, just being able to just make an atmosphere, like, if, you know, I don't, I like. I'd rather not make money from something and not have any walls or boundaries right. than 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 have to deal with that kind of shit. Because now it feels like, I don't know. It's not. It's. I wish we could go back to just being, you know, me and Joe and some friends sitting on a couch. You're like, hey, you want to listen to Zeppelin? All right, put it on. You know. Yeah, for sure. Like that's that's one of my favorite parts. Of, like that's part of my post production. Is I'll. I'll do, uh, you know, like an intro and then a little like musical interlude where I'm only grabbing like one little instrumental part of a song and playing it for the intro. And then yeah. I'll pick a song that some that sometimes seems to fit whoever the guest is or whatever a topic was talked about and play, you know, like two thirds of the song. So it's like I'm not putting the whole song on there. And then yeah. I always put their YouTube videos on the blog, like music from this episode. You yeah. Know? And... You know, for me, I, some actually, you know what? iTunes just recently, I tried to uh, drag because I use GarageBand for all the editing stuff. I tried mm -hmm. to drag and drop a song on there, and it wouldn't allow me to even oh, put really? the song. Was it just an MP3, or was it one of those? Yeah, like, just something off a CD or something. Wow, that's weird. Maybe it was something I bought off of the iTunes store and it had some, some tags. Yeah, it I know because I know that's the case. Because like, if you buy it off the iTunes store, it's protected unless you buy the raw MP3s. And I'm not sure if they even if that's even correct. I, I started using Amazon uh, because it was like 79 cents, 79 cents instead of 99 cents, and it's unprotected MP3s. Because I was running into that kind of problems too. I mean, I love iTunes. I love how it's set up, and it's so tempting to buy so much stuff on there just because how easy it is. But uh, I don't know, Amazon Store way to go. Yeah, they they ended up hooking me up with a bunch of free shit, a bunch of free credits because uh, I don't know if you remember when I first started my podcast, I was having a. It took them three months to get up on the iTunes store. Yeah. Three months, dude. I was freaking out. Like, I thought they had some secret covert campaign against me to not allow the show to be up. And It sucks. <clears throat> Anything with the iTunes uh, store seems like it sucks. I'm a little bit lucky because our podcasts have become pretty pretty well t or taking off uh, a little bit on iTunes. So now uh, Apple had contacted us like, hey, I'm the, I'm, I work for iTunes. And if you ever need anything, here's my email. So I've become a little bit lucky lately, but I know for a while it was just annoying as fuck trying to get anything done with those people. Like I still run into problems like of where my iTunes recently, uh, like all my episodes just disappeared and then for no reason. And I was trying to figure out what was going on and just trying to get somebody at Apple or iTunes to reply. It took me like four days. Yeah, and it seems like they send you those same four emails back like the first four times. It's like automated email just to yeah. see if they'll keep fucking with you. Yeah. But it's okay. been up it's been up and good since then. Customer service alone just drives me so nuts. I just had a, a problem with UPS today and I did this package and it doesn't matter if the package is portal too. All right, but I just got this package. I got overnight air because I have Amazon Prime and whatever. So it's like you get like cheap ass shipping. But it was, I had you know UPS next day air. 
they missed the next day air. Like UPS said there was a, a natural disaster in Long Beach, California. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? That's what it said on the tracking. It's like natural disaster. And I'm like, what? Wow. And so they missed yesterday. It was supposed to come. And so then I call them. I'm like, you know, what the fuck? I, you know, I pay for next day air. And they're like, oh, you know, it's going to be on before 10:30 in the morning today. And so you know, I wait and wait, and sure enough, at like one o'clock in the afternoon, it hasn't come yet. And so I start just going crazy on Twitter, and all these people from the corporate office contact me. Really? And finally, they give me a call up, and they're like, "Oh, we're sorry. Well, you should have it later today. Unfortunately, it won't wasn't going to be there before ten thirty because you were not eligible for that upgrade because you had next day air uh, saver, which is a little bit different than regular next day air." And I'm like, "Wait a second. You're not even talking. You're talking. You've already missed a day. That that beats all kind of upgrades because you're talking about two day now. Like, that, do you get what I'm talking about? Like, like you're talking about like I, I'm not eligible for an upgrade for what is actually a downgrade because it's been two days. It's like if I went to the liquor store and robbed it, it'd be like I robbed that store yesterday. You can't fuck with me today. Like right. I, I can't go to jail today. Oh, fuck. You seem to have these problems with the mail. Didn't you have some sort of issue that you had to go track some? fly around to some airport to track some package down or something? Oh, no. That was, uh, that was a way that I was covering up the fact that I was picking up my girlfriend from the airport. I was oh, saying it was a special was package. <laughs> and the only reason I did that was because I, I found from past experience in recent podcasts, uh, a lot of people are now looking at me where the past where, you know, I'm not, it was kind of like, Oh, you know, I have a, f- a few thousand followers. I know most of them, blah, blah, blah. Now it's like, I'm getting a lot of fucking people, you know, like following me and, and like following what I do in my life and stuff. So I've decided, you know, I'm not going to be as open to who I'm dating nowadays or as, or certain facts about my life. And so that, so I, yeah, I was using a fake package thing but that was bullshit man I, I went to lax like three times and every time i would get to the airport they're like the the airplane's about to land and then they had to turn around because of uh thunder and lightning and it was a horrible day that's never mind no one cares about that i i went to go pick my girl up from lax the other day <clears throat> last week and it was one of the worst experiences i've ever had i almost freaked out and just attacked a number of different things and people yeah, for listeners, there's two airports in Los Angeles, Burbank and LAX. Everyone use Burbank. It is a beautiful airport. It takes you 10 seconds to get through security. I love it. I hate LAX. Well, you know what was a bitch? I got there early. Her flight was delayed, but I had to drive up from San Diego to pick her up. Is that where you're at? You're at San Diego, right? Yeah, I'm in San Diego. And uh, I drove through the first time, realizing that her plane wasn't going to be there for another hour place was dead not a single person in there i looped around the whole loop in two minutes it took me an hour to move 50 feet the the yeah, next hour I hate that shit I, I just hate that's the, the if if all these people just leave this city at least half of them you know how much better just california would be just traffic wise and people there's just so many i'm so tired of so many people that's one of the most annoying things ever i'm I'm almost done. That's the only thing that drives me crazy. I want to be able to, that that technology maybe to catch up a little and and have a certain actually start having some money in my bank account and then being able to move somewhere in the middle of fucking nowhere. I think if I had a hot chick, I think that's the most important thing. You have yeah. to have a hot chick. <laughs> yeah. 
no doubt. Well, you, you brought up something that's interesting, too, about having to sort of keep some of your personal life locked down. Like, mm-hmm. what what the flip side of being so honest and being so open about our personal lives and shit is that you you open yourself up for a lot of criticism, right? And a lot of, like, negative bullshit that comes along with with not only putting yourself out there in a very open and honest way, but putting it out there on the internet where there's a lot of people who could randomly yeah. be a douchebag about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've been doing it for a while. I, I don't know why I've always had this like, like, Hey, I don't care. I want everyone to know, you know, kind of like openness. Like I, I my privacy on the internet's pretty retarded or ridiculous at least. I mean, it's, it's, like I've always like I've always had some kind of blog or always, always had some kind of journal. I've always had some kind of video thing where I showed you know what I was doing and vacations I went to. Like I've been always pretty much open on the internet with everything, and I have no idea why I do that. But now that it's actually kind of getting a little bit too ridiculous, where too many people are watching. Now I'm kind of getting a little scared. And I, you know, and it started off with uh, just some of the people that I have been dating that that are in the same situation as being you know like a porn star or an actress or something like that but the shit they get sent to their po boxes kind of freak me out so i'm now i'm kind of like oh this is kind of scary you know it's not as it's not as fun anymore to to go hey this is my house hey you know this is where i live this is my girlfriend blah blah, blah. because i mean especially with twitter there's just that being anonymous on the internet uh for the for some of these people um it can kind of, it's not always such a good thing. I don't think it's a, of all the shit talk that I get thrown my way, which I'm for the most part, doesn't bug the fuck out of me. There's always ones, those, those people here and there that kind of make you think like, wow, this person's devoting days, hours, weeks of their life just to remind you how much they want you dead or hate you. I'm like, if they're really spending this much time, even if they're at a fucking job doing bullshit work and they consider it hilarious trolling, there's always something to that, like, wow, this person's focusing way much too much time on me, you know? Sure, it's kind of like why jokes are funny sometimes. There's always that little bit of tiny truth back there. Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. I had to refresh. Nice. I should finish mine. I actually have... uh... The edibles going here. <coughs> Did you do anything for uh, the old 420? <coughs> um, I worked out. Oh, that's, that's I went to my dispensary. Right. My the dispensary that I go to. Yeah, they had a fucking line out the door. Oh, I heard about that as I Is drove that, by. That must have happened everywhere. And I was like, "Fuck that! I'm not standing out." Like it's weird enough, like going and purchasing weed in the store, like. My old school mentality still feels like it's a bust every time. So I'm like, like watching my shoulders and being paranoid. I, and I don't, again, I like, I don't really give a shit. And you know, a big testament is that to like you and Joe and like Joey Diaz, like telling, hearing these stories from people, like being honest and putting shit out there, I think has been a big inspiration for a lot of people. For me in particular, because there's a lot of shit like a few years ago. When I, when I was, like, more hard-nosed and strict and, like, I, I wouldn't give away, like, inner thoughts or secrets to, like, a wide group of total strangers or even, like, family members, right? Like, it's hard to do that shit, to be that open and for some reason because we have, judgment, like, fear of judgment and, you know, repercussions and shit. 
Yeah, it's 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 very weird, and I like I don't even know why I do it, and you know it. And I think back, and I'm trying to think like, why would I do this? Because I mean, back in the day, like I think it was Live Journal or one of these blog things. I used to, I mean, I used to be, I used to. This is crazy. I, I used to actually do like live webcam shows from my website, and yeah. like in certain times, I've had sex on these webcams, and and like long time ago, you know, like, like maybe 97, 98, 90, something like that. Did I you know Anna Voog? What's that? Did you know Anna Voog? I don't know. Like old school webcam chick, like OG, like before anybody else was doing shit, like wild blonde chick with like alien you know, it, big it, eyes. It, does, it, it sounds familiar, but I don't know. But the, you know the, what? The, the weird thing is though, it's like how, how much crazier i used to be like i used to, i mean coming home drunk having sex on a webcam I, I would never do that nowadays that would be fucking the dumbest thing ever why I, would i ever think to do that yeah and especially because it, you know not knowing there was a probably a level of like this isn't gonna go anywhere and now yeah. it's it's such a vast network everything goes somewhere there was no screen capturing programs back then, too. I don't believe so. That's another thing, I guess. Yeah, nice. <laughs> well, uh, you also do the Death Squad stuff. I wanted to make sure we we let my listeners know about that. I'm always trying to promote the stuff that you guys are doing with the people that I that I'm familiar with because you know there's a like artists for some reason don't utilize this podcast technology at all. Like it, particularly the ones in my in my sort of mediums of like the, the type of artists that I work and hang out with yet comedians are using it nonstop, which makes sense because they're talkers but like again back to that thing like the ability to get to know somebody is really paramount in in learning more about the works that they make yeah absolutely I think I think a lot of people are just are not are just starting to embrace it a little bit more get it the idea more mm -hmm. artists can use it I mean especially I this is pretty cool that you're doing this because I mean one thing that reason comics use podcasting so much other than the obvious that they all like to hear themselves talk, I guess, but they also use it just like they do Twitter is where it's a great way to connect your, your thoughts with the, the right audience. And like with artists, you, you know, you could not only talk about art and stuff like that, but talk about when you, you have gallery shows and stuff like that. So there's so it should be used more, you know, for artists. And I think that's, one of the things that 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 artists kind of for being something you know marketing wise you know a lot of them uh you know are connected to marketing somehow because of the doing artwork you think they would be really good at marketing but i don't know how many times there's been like somebody having a gallery that i had no idea was going on at all you know and it's, it's just like that one if 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 art became easier to to know, you know, hey, it's going on over here. I think that's always that's that's what it needs because I love fucking seeing a good going to a good gallery, having some wine and checking out some work. And I never hear about you know galleries or any kind of art news. Or, Did you hear about the Art in the Street show at the Museum of Contemporary Art in L.A.? Yeah, Saturday. It yeah, it just opened this last right. weekend. Yeah, the only reason I know about that is um, Kevin Pereira that's on Attack of the Show, G4, um, he uh, texted me yesterday and invited me to go with him uh, to Saturday, uh, but unfortunately my girlfriend has to do a photo shoot and 
I'm not going to be a third wheel type thing. So. Right, right. Yeah, how long that's going on for? Is it? Uh, it's going to be up till August. I think I might come up on Saturday. I have shit. No, I'm going to. There's a tournament on Saturday. I'm going to come up maybe next week and check it yeah, out. Yeah, let me I mean, because I, I've been thinking about going there. So that would be perfect timing, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, I, I talked to, there's this kid, John, that I talked to, who it's a, it's one of those things where we're talking about the kids is he's been listening, he's a fan of all your guys' stuff, and he's been listening to my podcast, too, because he's interested in art. And I talked to him, and he sounds like he's, like, in his 20s already, like a level of maturity that, uh, you know, that he's he's learning a bunch of shit just from from hearing all these stories. But, um one of the things that he had, he had mentioned to me was that he sort of related the way um, you work with Joe to some of the stuff that, like, the way my art career has kind of gone, like, in terms of finding a mentor, almost. Like, I worked with Shepard Ferry right out of high school, the Obey mm-hmm. Giant guy, mm-hmm. and I was his assistant for two years. So you, you had talked about marketing. So I sort of got a, an insider view of all that stuff at a right. young age without having to go to art school like I got this weird little art schooling in two years just by sort of jumping feet first right into it and I guess that's sort of how it worked for you too right coming out to LA you just sort of just jumped right into this entertainment world right yeah yeah I guess the the it definitely I mean before I moved out to Ohio I definitely had a internet presence uh established to a point just because that's how actually, you know, me and Joe kind of came connected is like doing videos and stuff like he liked the videos I did, you know, so I was already kind of there if, you know, if he was liking what I was doing, but definitely in the whole being th- kind of mentored in comedy, a hundred percent, 150 percent, because that's one thing when I tried doing stand up comedy in Ohio, I just didn't get it. I, I was you know, I was seeing my, the people that I like, which were Doug Stanhope and Steve Martin and stuff like that. And I'd see these guys and try to mimic them on stage in some ways, you know, just trying to fit, do what, like, Hey, I got, I'm, I'm going to be edgy like Doug Stanhope, you know, <laughs> but, uh, not until I got a job with Joe and not until actually recently, cause I mean, I've been working for Joe for seven or so years, uh, but not until recently, uh, have I kind of figured it out or at least figured out what the proper way to do it is. And, um, like just, and I totally, that's from just being around all these great comics for the last, for all these years, you pick up on a good kind of vibe of what, how to even really attempt it. And it's helped a lot. Like as recently I just started doing comedy out of pretty much, you know, I was just interested to see if I could do it again because I didn't think I was going to do it anymore because I had a bad experience and I just decided not to do it anymore. Yeah. And, so, and, and then so I started doing it and I picked it up like like 100 miles per hour. Like I had do, done it for years and years, but not only did I pick up, pick it up, but I got past hurdles that most people that are starting comedy, I guess, take take longer, I guess. Because I, I, I'll be around some of these people that like, hey, you know, you've been doing it like two years and you're still an open mic. You know, you're still doing what I just started and and I don't see him, this person growing, you know. And yeah. I think, I think it, that would just, I owe that all to working for Joe. I think that just being around Joe and his just experiencing all these great comics because of him and stuff, definitely. And 
being around Joe has definitely changed, um, I guess, how I look at things and talk to people and my personality wise and, and definitely, I mean, I mean, you can see that dude. Like if you go back 25 podcasts, you could probably see a sort of mental change happening, like different mental attitudes that take place. I can hear it in my own, just in like how I felt one day or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's, it's it's so weird how everything influences everything. In some ways, it's just it's pretty amazing. Sometimes pretty, nice just to let it be itself, huh? And just see what yeah. happens. See what happens. That's that again, just jumping in, fucking feet first, and just charging it. That's right. Well, cool, man. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to shoot the shit with me. I uh, I do appreciate it. Thank you, Mike, man. I'm a big fan, so uh, thank you very much for having me on. Thanks. Let's um let's plug your stuff. People can go to uh, DeskSquad.tv. Yeah, go to DeskSquad.tv, and there it has like all the stuff. Or you can on iTunes or DeskSquad, uh, and it's like what I pretty much do is I have like many podcasts under one podcast name, where it's like each one's like a different kind of topic with different comedians and stuff, uh, and then. Uh, Joe Rogan experience on Joe Rogan's website, JoeRogan.net. And uh, everyone who subscribes to mine, in the bottom little thing, it, it, it says uh, people who subscribe to my show also subscribe to the Death Squad. Oh, cool. And Fecal Face. If you're not aware of FecalFace.com. No, Fecal Face? Awesome. Uh, it sounds worse than it is. It sounds say, like I'm trying to trick. set you up. Oh, is that, hey, you ever heard of LemonParty.org? Oh, it's delightful. No, FecalFace.com, awesome San Francisco art website. That if uh, I know you guys are up there occasionally, if you ever want to check stuff out up there, then maybe you should come play down in San Diego. Um, when was the last time I was down in San Diego? I think you should. You should. Why don't you should come perform? Oh yeah, you know I, I'm. I would love to. I'm actually. I might be down there soon, just out of for pleasure because I. I love San Diego. Um, San, San Diego to me is probably one of the places that I'm looking to escape to, and just because I. Every time I go to San Diego, I, it just seems like L.A. but the, without half the people. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little more spread out too, but I guess L.A. is a big ass fucking spread out spot too. But yeah, you're right. A little less yeah. people. A little less attitude, a little more laid back. Totally. And your Twitters, your red band on Twitter. An R E D B A N, no D. Will you do that one again? I I squelched you. Oh, it's R E D, like red, like the color. B A N, band like the deodorant. No D at the end of it. All right, brother. Again, thank you. Let's do uh, internet dap. Thanks, Mike. All right, brother. Have a good night. You too, man. Thank Bye. you. on a journey again, tool as a pad and a pen, cool as a fan as a wind, soothing you after I sin, true in a vision, risen and driven and giving you my isms of intuition, why niggas is living a lie, syllable spilling, I fly high as the pitical rhyme, not to be little or fool, but try to get into you, my lyrics inherited from awareness somewhere in the sky, clearly you'll give a merit and cherish and better with time, there is none ever in all like rivers, so clever I shine, verbal ambassador, travel in this endeavor of mine, never an anti-gangster, the ghetto is still in the mind, if I was not rapping, a nigga might be up inside, 
all of your terrorist system of wallets and necklaces. I give hella gratefulness for the blessing to share this and fly. Everywhere people outside the culture now try to define what it is, but it is mine. Such it is loving with blind vision, but no division is visibly living inside. This is vindictive and mental prisons from within the mind. Sitting on fine stillness from innocence, rich and divine. Getting you smitten with it, particularly if you were prime. Listen to listen up, twist it up like the lyrics was lying. Vintage is instant, so give it up when you hear it preside. Did it attention, relieving tension and bending your spine. Sending your signals to get your internal system aligned. Lyrical pinnacle situation is critical. Syllable after syllable, give it to you, deliver you mind. Interval sending you through dimensions you didn't know, hitting in you, within you, when you get in the begin to into it. Sentiments, internets could insinuate your signals you get. Ripping through skin and through tissue, fix you, elixirs at mind. Flip your peripheral vision, the mystical wisdom that tends to go into the infinite system of living. And this is the ending as well as beginning of the gift in its prime. Mission, the bliss is divine. Christen it, isn't it fine? Listening, dissonant, that's an incident. Innocent men and women hit lyrics as killing niggas. They shiver in the predicament, sticking the split the wig of an ignorant lyricist, putting fear in their spirit. Yo, that's my time. <laughs>